You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Well, again, good morning, Anthem Church. So uh, we're going to be continuing our psalm uh, series, and so this is the last week of that. And then we're going to move into the book of James for the fall. Pretty excited about that. And so that's how we roll here at Anthem Church. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, so we should take the morning to study it. And so we just teach whole books of the Bible, go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so uh, we'll be in James coming up this fall. So excited about that. But this morning, Psalms and Psalm 2 is where you can turn your Bibles to or open up your smartphones. So somewhere about the middle of your Bible is where you should be looking for. And Psalm 2 is going to be about the authority and rule of God. Who's in charge? Who calls the shots? That's what we're talking about today. Who has authority? Who has rule? Now, I understand that we are about to head into a special season, uh, not the fall, but election season. You know what I'm talking about, right? November, there's midterm elections coming up. There's 435 House seats up for grabs. That's uh, 35 seats in the Senate. And so you know what that means, right? You are about to be bombarded with all the attack ads on TV. Is anybody, I feel like I'm still recovering from the election two years ago, but there is about to be like just this onslaught of, of smear campaign ads that take place. And you understand how those like go, right? And people are willing to go through to great lengths in order to obtain these positions of authority, of power. So much so that they'll just cut anybody down in their way. And so, you know, one person's like, that person over there, they are completely evil. To which, like, the response is like, no, you want evil. That person's evil. And then the little blurb, paid for by so-and-so for Senate. You're like, oh, I feel great. So everybody's apparently evil that we're voting for. But uh, there's just like this back and forth. In fact, like, I, I really appreciate this picture I'm about to share with you. So the presidential election last year, this billboard was taken out by uh, some witty agent. Moving to Canada? <laughs> I'll sell your house. I love that. I hope that person sold some house. But people are like, I give up. I, we can't win. I am moving to Canada. I'm not saying that's the right response, but I think that realtor is witty nonetheless. But here's the thing is there's one position that's not up for election. That's the role of king of kings, lord of lords. That, that God will not be dethroned. And we would be wise to not fight his authority, but rather lean into it. And so that one's not up for, for debate. And so let's see that here in our psalm about authority and rule. Let's break this down. Psalm 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV translation. It says this. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Okay, we're going to stop there briefly. The psalm begins making this observation, saying, the nations are raging. Another possible translation that you might have is like they're noisily assembling. Like all these people are coming together and it's nations, plural. So masses of amounts of people are coming together in this kind of noisy assembly and they're plotting against God. And it's not just the crowds of people that are doing this. So we see in verse 2, it also is the, the kings of the earth, the rulers. They're coming together 
And here's, they're coming together around this. They want to plot against God, and they want to see him overthrown, his rule overthrown. Tons of people. And so the psalmist asks this question in verse 1 there. He's like, why? <laughs> like this is the observation that the nations are, they, they're just mad and the rulers are mad and they're mad at God. But, but, but why? Why do they do that again? He answers it in verse 3. If you look there, why? Because they're all saying this together. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. What that means is they're saying, we don't want to be under authority. We want to be their authority. Like we, we don't like this authority that is over us. And so we want to get out from that. And we want to be the authority of our lives. You're saying Jesus is king. We don't like that, God. I'd say this, if you're taking notes, it's in our human nature. I'm not saying this is right, but it's in our human nature to oppose authority. I mean, you can... Open your Bible right away in the book of Genesis and see this. In Genesis 3, we're going to see the fall of mankind. It's in our nature, clear back to the garden, Adam. God gave him one rule. Don't eat from that tree. Y'all, they're in a garden filled with trees, all this stuff. There's nothing that would signify like that this tree was somehow more beautiful or more luscious or its fruit was more appealing. It just... A tree, and God said, that one. Just don't eat from that one. Everything else, freedom. But that is the command. And you see right away, it's like, "Mm, I don't like that. All of a sudden, that forbidden fruit, the one thing you're telling me I shouldn't do, I kind of want to do. That sinful nature, all the way back to the garden, we see that. And it's just there, innate. In humans, I'd say it like this, okay, we see that in Adam and Eve. You're like, yeah, I can't believe they would want to oppose authority. Okay, what about you? You like paying taxes? <laughs> Anybody like, oh, I love to give my money to elected officials to spend wisely. <laughs> Said no one ever, right? Like, we naturally, like those in authority, we oppose those that are over, we just naturally doubt. And sometimes, honestly, it's for really good reason, but sometimes it's just, it's just the fight. Again, the, the complaints at work usually go up. And it's, oh, this person over me. Heard it said one time that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. I think you can play that out, that kids don't quit sports, they quit coaches. We don't, if this authority that's over us and, and we find a way to be disgruntled, I'm not going to say who, but I had someone in my life that's like every coach they apparently ever had was just Satan himself, like in the flesh, coaching their teams. I'm like, or maybe you have a problem. I don't think there's that many evil people. I didn't know there's that many sports that you wanted to play, but like apparently you just quit them all. And so this idea that, that, we don't like authorities. Sports referees is not the most beloved position. You know, those writing the tickets, just trying to do their job, the meter maids, you know, trying to keep people parked where they should. It's like, oh, that person, you know. We don't like authority. And the nations here in this psalm, when you look at it, they're not disagreeing with a coach. They're not arguing with an elected official. <laughs> their problem has gone all the way up the authority ladder, and their problem is with God at this point. Do you understand the context of the psalm? They're they're arguing 
with God. They've come together and say, yeah, you know what? We don't like God. I want to call the shots. I know what's best. I want to be Lord of my life. And I, man, we got a whole group of, I just want to simmer on this. We got a whole group of college students that are back in town. Some, we moved them into the dorms for their first time. I mean, that was just fun seeing mom and dad drop them off, moving stuff in. Some students, though, like are moving into apartments for the first time. I remember that, being a student in the Walnut Place Apartments in Ames, Iowa. And it, you, we, like, a few of us buddies got together, and we get an apartment. And it's, it, it's a different experience when you go from, like, having a resident assistant, like RA, you know, that you can ask the questions of, or like, and then you have the card that you just swipe, and then your food just appears. Like, you get an apartment, the landlord may or may not even walk you through the place. It's like, here's your keys, we'll see you in 12 months when you check out. And it's just the level of, of freedom that you have in that where you're like, I don't feel like there's any authority in my life. Oh, we can just do whatever. There's nobody telling us it's quiet hours. You can do whatever. Shortly after I got the keys to the Walnut Place Apartments, I was doing a little cooking because that's what you do when you don't have a meal plan. I'm frying something in so much grease because I'm a bachelor and just doing it upright. And here I am like, cooking on this stove and there's so much grease and it's like starting to splatter and you got burners on you figure out where this goes grease splatters out like and just poofs up a little bit of fire and then that fire like jumps into the pan so now you've got a pan of grease and if you got the fan on because when you're frying stuff like the smell and the smoke so you like you got the the fan like sucking the smoke up well now it's sucking flames up so here I am like in the apartment and like flames go up and I'm just like watching this. I'm useless at this point. I feel like I would have stood there and watched the whole building like burn down because I'm like, what is happening? And my roommate comes over and like dives and like throws this like pan on top of the fire. I'm like, that, that was a good move. Like <laughs> didn't occur to me, like, but smothers it but not before, like, the, the flames had, like, sucked up into in these cheap, like, because they're mass-producing these things, but they've got, like, these cheap uh, hood vent thing, and the little plastic fan in there that had, like, its little blades are just, like, wilted and, like, dripping into the food. You look, and, like, this white, like, range thing is now charred, just black. The cabinets are charred black. And thinking like, you're looking around and I'm like, am I in, am I in trouble? <laughs> but at that moment, like, what do you do? Like, do we just leave it and just check out? Like, cause here's, here's the, 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 the moment that followed is we knew that while there wasn't some RA there in that moment, that what did you do? <laughs> we knew that there was going to be a checkout coming and we'd have to give an account for that. Right? So many people live their lives as if we're never going to check out and have to stand before God and give an account. Scripture would beg to differ on that. Romans 14 clearly says, we will give an account. But so many people are like, oh, there's no instant repercussions. I guess we're good. I'm telling you, those that lease an apartment, hopefully you're smarter than that. And so we went to work. And <laughs> we went and we got like the spray can of like white paint. And you're like, all of a sudden your professional painter's just fading it into the hood. You're like, that looks good. You're scrubbing the char off and like putting the new fan blades on. You're like, 
looks good in like the right light. I think we're good. We had to give a little deposit back, but, but the deal is like there is a checkout that is coming. And we will have to, to, to give an account. And so for those who say, I'm the boss, I do what I want, I'll drink what I want, I'll sleep with who I want, I'll do what I want with my time, it's my money. Mm-hmm. That attitude is echoed by those in the psalm today, and it is so brazen, it is so calloused, and the whole time God has not left his heavenly throne. And here, God, God now is still speaking to us, he's giving direction, he wants to play an active role, but he's getting overlooked And asserting, what they're doing here is they're asserting that God shouldn't be on the throne. And that if he doesn't get off, that they're just going to come up there, the whole mass of them, and do something about it. Really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like, the verses that follow are very fitting. Because as God hears that, like, oh, (laughs) you're going to dethrone me? He who sits in heaven, verse 4, laughs. And the Lord holds them in derision. He laughs. Oh, man, you're going to dethrone me? And we even get an idea of like, they hold them in derision, this idea of like ridicule, mockery. It's not like a, oh, that's, that's cute. He's like laughing in such a mocking tone. Like, <laughs> really? You, you, I feel like it's like the original, are you talking to me? Like you, like you're going to overthrow what? <laughs> really? King of kings, this seat, God's throne, it is not up for election. God can, it won't be mocked in this way. And this, this laughing turns to wrath in verse 5. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. And terrifying them in his fury. And he's going to say, this reminds me, it's not my notes, but it reminds me of of the book of Job. And Job, a lot of bad things happen to a good guy. And he begins to start to question God. And I love Job 38 is some of my favorite scripture as God replies and speaks to Job out of a storm. In Job 38, after Job has been questioning God, God opens up to him and he's like, Listen, you brace yourself like a man. I will question you. You answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? It just really, like, at some point this stops. At some point, God stops laughing, and it's checkout time. And he comes to them and says, Then he will speak to them in wrath, terrifying them in fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I've begotten you. As of me, I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth possessions. I get that people don't want to be under authority. We want to be the authorities, but you're trying to dethrone who? God, and, and, and I want to correct this perception that God is just, see, just playing right in. God's this angry God who just, just wants to punish us. He's like that person that, that in the apartments, they just want to make their buck, and so they're going to charge you $10 for every light bulb that's out, and I feel like God just wants to be angry. What's he saying in these verses? He's saying here in verse 6 and 7, he's saying, I've set my king. He's talking about Jesus here. He's saying, you want to know who's leading not some God that's 
far away that is angry and frustrated and just wants to throw lightning bolts. He's saying, this is who's in charge, Jesus. Who is Jesus? God, who's taken on flesh, his son. What did he do here? He laid down his life for us. Jesus came. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Spent his days of ministry, giving sight to the blind, helping lame people walk, even helping dead people come back to life. This is the king. The king that we serve washed his disciples' feet. He said, the king that we serve says, if you want to be first, you need to be last, as I've demonstrated among you. Marked his ministry just with love, but yet, through all that, was wrongly accused, faced a rigged trial. And because of all that, the spotless, righteous Lamb of God would sacrifice his life for ours. That's who's in authority. That's who's in power. That's who we're trying to dethrone. But nonetheless, that is what is happening. And what the psalm is saying here is this is the king. This is the one that would want to make the nations his heritage, that, that wants to bring you in. makes me wonder why we're fighting against him. Now, I met a sweet kid on campus this week. Uh, just interacting at one of these events with the Salt Company College Ministry students, and we're there kind of playing and, and stopped off to, to just grab a drink at Gatorade, and I get to interact with this college student. And this is fun, and I don't believe he'd mind sharing the story because it was a, a completely, like, civil conversation, but we're coming from two very different positions. One, pastor on a staff of the church, where he was saying, self-proclaimed, raised by a hippie mom, and I don't know if God exists. And so we just, straight, I'm like, well, that's your lead line. Let's go. Let's talk. And so getting to talk with this, um, this individual, and, and, and it was really good conversation. As you say, I believe something exists. All of this is just too spectacular because here we are, Central Campus. They've got the grass looking prime. It was beautiful weather, like just people running around. He was, he was saying, I look at this and I, and I believe something exists. I'm just not sure what. Went on to say, I've kind of got a problem with religion. Come from this spot, bunch of religious people, just the judgment, the hypocrisy. I just... <laughs> it was fun. I'm like, you know who else had a problem with religion? Jesus. Like, religious people killed him. So if you have a problem with religion, you're in pretty good company with my Savior, right? Does that make sense? Like, Jesus had a problem with religious people. It was the most religious people at the time that called for him to be crucified. And so <laughs> I don't know if you connect those. I was like, okay, that's that. But he's like, I, but still, what's to say, you know, Christianity is the way, or what's to say, you know, that this ministry, I should be a part of that. And, and the thing that was interesting to me is while this, this student could attribute, there's something bigger. Who ended up getting the credit at the end of the conversation in his mind is the universe and kind of the forces at work within it. That's what's to attribute all this to. I'm like, why? Like, and I get it. I, I, I hope that I'm able to follow up with that student and continue that relationship. But it's interesting. It's like somebody's, somebody needs to get the credit, but not God. Like there, there's something bigger out there, but why like undermine 
God. Like, it's another musing, like, why, of all the curse words out there, is Jesus Christ, like, a preferred curse word? There's a lot of other religions. There's a lot of other people within those religions. You don't see that name taken in vain, but I think they're just something from Satan himself that would want us to undermine the one true authority, the king of kings. And why, who are we ultimately undermining? It's the God who loves us. And God makes it clear to the nations in this psalm. And I hope to the student I met that their attempt to buck authority is ultimately you're bucking a God who loves you, desires that you shouldn't perish but should come to know him. And he has made a way, and that becomes clear in the psalm, this way that he has made as we continue on, verse 10. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. What he's saying there is God is off. There is forgiveness and you would be wise to lean into the son. To serve the Lord with fear and trembling. That's what we ought to do with our freedom. Not freedom to just go wild and go crazy, but in our freedom that we should lean into the God who loves us. In that idea that we can love because he first loved us. And so what he's saying is, is we should lean into Jesus in verse 12. In doing so, there's refuge in him. There's hope in him. And so it's that recognition, church, as we open this psalm and it closes out our series, that we would do well to remember that there's one seat that's not up for election. And that's God, who is king of kings. And just as a side note, when it comes around at election time, please let your reaction to what's going on in elections be consistent with what your belief is in Scripture. I think it's so confusing to an outside world to see Christians just lose their mind thinking that this human that's going to take this authority position can somehow derail God who is in heaven. Does that make sense? We have to understand and be consistent that God is sovereign over all these things. Even good leaders, bad leaders, God is still on the throne. And what I would want us to see today from Scripture is that the God who is on the throne is the God who sent his son Jesus and has made a way for us to be forgiven for us to have relationship with him. That's the God that is being spoken of here in Psalm 2, that we are being pushed to. And so the question is, is what will your response be? What will your response be? And here's what I would, I would want. This is what I want. Married, beautiful wife, four daughters. I would want my daughters to get this, that, that they would do well to allow God to be Lord, to, to lean into him, to let him be authority, that they would do well to wake up and just pray the Lord's prayer, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine today. Lord, I am here to serve you. But to have that sort of surrender, it seems like so much, again, in human nature, not saying this right, it's like, I'll give that up once I've tried it my way and hit rock bottom, then I'll let go. I mean, we even have that understanding, that phrase, it's just the common perception. It's like, you know what they need? They need to hit rock bottom. Then they can actually let it go. Hey, how about new plan? How about we just let it go? 
crazy, I know. You know how this goes when we take the position of authority, my life, my money, my thing, okay. God, I believe in his love, is going to pursue us there and help us hit rock bottom and surrender that authority. And I would just want for my daughters, can you just, new plan, surrender to God today. And so I believe some of you are coming in here today and you got your plan and you've got it figured out and you've got it, you're doing it your way. <laughs> that whole Lord's prayer, like, Lord, your will be done. It's like, no, this is my thing. And, and Lord, I'm asking you to bless my thing. This is what I've got going on. And I would want for us today as we get ready to take communion, to surrender that, to let that go and say, God, your will be done, not mine. And as we take communion, this is who we're surrendering to, Jesus, who said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we celebrate communion often here at Anthem because it's a great reminder that Jesus Christ, his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us so that we can be forgiven. And so as we do this, I just want you to, as, as people here today, this is for believers who say, my trust is in Jesus. I would want this to serve as a reminder of who's in authority, who it is that we're following is the one that gave his life for us. Feel like God who bought us back from hell that we deserve has the right <laughs> to be Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord as well. And so as we acknowledge our Savior who bought us back from blood uh, being shed, his body being broken, that we would acknowledge that he has saved us from the hell that we deserve. And he is right in his love to lead us as Lord. And so I'm going to invite the band up, and I'm just going to give us an opportunity to reflect. And then in your time, how this works is throughout the course of, of worship, that you would just make your way to one of the four tables we have around here. And there's, I think there's gluten-free, because we don't want anybody to not be able to participate because of some gluten allergy. So gluten-free up there and back in that corner. But what we'd ask is you just take a piece of the bread and break it off and then dip it in the cup. Again, signifying Jesus' body broken, his blood that was shed. And you can take it at the communion table there. And as you wake, uh, make your way back to your seat, that you could just remain standing and worship with us. But here's the mentality that I would love for us to take communion today in remembrance of Jesus, is I would love, church, that we would surrender what it is that we're holding out on. That we would again see Jesus as we take communion as not only Savior, but Lord as well. And say, Lord, I give you this. And so whatever God is perhaps laying on your heart, where you've tried to muscle your way through it and do it, that you would lay that before him this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good. You are a good Father who loves us, that would be so willing to adopt us into the family, call us sons and daughters, and give us purpose and give us hope. And so, Lord, pray that we would walk in that. And Lord, we just pray for, for the college students that have yet to come to know you that are now here in our midst. God, would the joy we have be evident. And for those that, that have claimed to know you as Savior, would the lordship you have be evident in our lives? That we would say, not, 
my will, but your will be done. And so God, would that be evident in, in how we carry ourselves? And so we just want to reflect on your goodness as we take communion today. We just want to reflect on that. And Lord, would we surrender anything that we're holding out on? And Lord, would we lean into your goodness, lean into your love?